Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to the Hulkcast. As some of you will know, last week we were unable to succumb a Norwich fan to the Hulkcast hot seat ahead of their eventual relegation from the Premier League, which led to me being joined by regulars Cole and Simon. However, ahead of the trip to Turf Moor, we were actually able to entice a guest from the Burnley side of camp this time, probably aided by their stunning league form to date. So for the next half an hour or so of your time, I'll be joined by George from the No Nay Never podcast. How are you, George? Yeah, really good. Thanks, Sebastian. Uh, a lot better than maybe this time last month. It's been, it's been you know, a really good few weeks to be a Burnley fan. So I think we're all on a bit of a high. Yeah, I think I think that's putting it lightly, to be honest. I mean, let's let's take a brief look at the league table. You've got Villa sitting in 13th at the moment on 40 points, and then you've got Burnley in 16th on 34 points, six points behind, having played a game extra. I mean, had we recorded this a month or so ago, it would have it would have looked very different. And, you know, you've completely turned your season around in the space of just a few weeks. How are you feeling about Burnley in general? Just really, really optimistic and really positive. No matter what comes of the next few weeks, the club's pulled together in a way that few people thought it uh, it really would do after the sacking of, obviously, Sean Dice. Everyone's pulling in the same direction. and It's just been a pleasure to be part of. And that, that all sort of culminated at, at Watford at the weekend where we produced an incredible turnaround in the last 10 minutes. And it was, it was really one of the away days for... To remember for for decades to come, it it really was that special and um, really was that well enjoyed by the Burnley fans. So yeah, I'm in an optimistic mood. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Sean Dyche, and I think we'll come on to him in a bit more detail in a little bit. But you mentioned the the Watford game, and surprisingly, quite a few Villa fans who who were playing Norwich at the time had their eye on the Burley game to see whether it would be us to relegate Norwich in the end. Obviously, we had our reunion with Dean Smith, so that was quite interesting to see. The thing about Burnley that I'd like to point out is they're pretty much Villa's bogey team. I think if you spoke to a lot of Villa fans, they're, you know, quite nervous and tense for this game because it just seems whenever we play Burnley, we don't we don't do well. And we could have asked us that when when relegation looked looked increasingly likely for you. But even now with the run you're on, I mean, you've won four of your last six, only losing one to Norwich, which ended up being Sean Dyche's last game for you. Um, Villa having only won one of the last five meetings against Burnley, and that was that was two years ago. I think I remember when Villa were in a relegation battle of our own. Um, I mentioned Sean Dyche. Let's get on to him slightly. I think it's quite hard to ignore his presence. 40, 471 games as manager with 164 wins. He had a net spend of just 21 million for the last five years at the club obviously not helped by the sale of Chris Wood as well. 
you know, how how does it feel not having him as manager anymore? Because from a neutral point of view, it felt as though he was almost part of the furniture at Burnley. Yeah, he really was part of the furniture. And it was a shock to say the least on Good Friday uh, when he was sacked. I'd go as far as saying it's the most shocking thing to ever happen on a, on a Good Friday for any Burnley fan, uh, no matter what the Bible says. So it was really weird the first few games after, his, after he'd left, not to see his usual... Um, trademark striding out onto the pitch just a few minutes before kickoff and to see a, another man at the helm inside the uh, the manager's area it just seemed really unusual and at first there was this massive outpouring of anger uh, from myself included it was absolutely devastating it felt almost like betrayal it really was that that deep cutting and as we've seen since the whole club's rallied round and in the in hindsight you know maybe for the owner they're going to go that now and say it was the right decision for me. I know it's going to sound weird, but I was fairly happy to go down with, with Dash at the helm. I thought for all he's done for the club, you know, he deserved, deserved the chance to, to take us back up next season. Um, now that's not happened and his legacy is set in stone. Um, so speaking about his legacy, I mean, you know, it's, it really is unmatched. I've never seen a manager as good as that in my lifetime. And no Burnley has since the early 1960s. To go from, I remember when he came into the club, we were pretty much, we were second favourites to go down in 2013-14. We ended up getting promoted. And then a few years later, I was travelling to Istanbul and Olympiacos to go and watch Burnley in Europe. So it really is a legacy that's unmatched and he'll forever be classed as a legend around these parts. And we've still been drinking in the Royal Dice pub in the last few games and uh, raising a pint to the gaffer. But onwards and upwards. And look, Michael Jackson's done a brilliant job since he took over the job and it might just be one of those scenarios where when a manager's at a club for so long things get stale you mentioned there the the, the amount of money we've spent we don't have much money to spend so we've not been able to refresh refresh the squad in the same way that Fergie did uh, at United he refreshed it every five years so you've not got that same voice with the same players over and over again unfortunately we just can't do that so maybe it was coming to the end of a natural cycle but he goes with all our well wishes and he's, he's going to smash it at the next club he goes to, I'm certain. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, you mentioned you mentioned the money. Um, obviously, you had to spend a bit of money in January due to the outgoing of, of your best goal scorer and prized asset at the time, Chris Wood, to Newcastle, who, who were relegation rivals with you. How did that feel to lose him in those circumstances? It, it was brutal. It really was. I mean, it, it was a divided opinion amongst Burnley fans because when he scored, you know, he was invaluable. But when he didn't score, he wasn't necessarily, you know, really good to watch. His feet aren't brilliant. He just looks completely out of the game sometimes. So there was that feeling amongst fans that, oh, you know, I'm not bothered. 25 million in the bank. You know, you can't ask for more than that. So it's an incredible sum of money to get for, for Chris Wood. But at the same time, you felt, wow, we're in a relegation battle in Newcastle. And we're selling our striker who's got 10 or more goals in the last four Premier League seasons. We're really uh, in trouble here. But, you know, since it's happened, he's not lit, set the world on fire at Newcastle. He is the wrong side of 30. He had looked poor this season. He might be trending down in terms of his overall game. And, and you, look at, you look at it in hindsight. And it, I mean, we don't know whether it was a, a clause that was met possibly. So we didn't have any say in it. But in hindsight, it was a sensible sale and none of us are losing sleep over it now, I, I can tell you that, because he'd only scored three goals all season. We got a healthy sum of money for him 
and I mean Newcastle. Never mind relegation rivals. Uh, I think they'll be challenging further up the league next next year, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean we've spoken about the past. Let's let's move on to the present now. Um, obviously, Michael Jackson is the man in your dugout for the time being, and it feels from a neutral point of view that he's currently healing the world of Burnley at the moment. Um, I mean, the difference is in results since he's in his short time at Burnley of being black and white, really. And, you know, he's he won't. St- it seems as though he won't stop until he gets enough points to keep you in the league. Um, how's it felt since he's come in? How's he been able to unite the fan base after what was a really tough loss? And how can you see him moving forward in the future? He's been a breath of fresh air, to be honest. And the whole team has been since Dyche went, I think, especially this season, you know, we've not got a great squad. We've been struggling all season. Daish's response to that was to really go back to basics, get that solid defensive setup, try and get some draws and edge wins where we can. And, you know, that's that's worked well for us in the past. It might not have been working this season so well. Jackson's been completely different. We've been put on the front foot. We've been passing the ball, not just like, not just in the middle of the park, but Nick Pope's been passing it out from the back at almost every opportunity he gets, whether it be rolling it out uh, or throwing it or kicking it. It's it's night and day, let's be honest, between the two sides. Under Dice, we were we were really pragmatic and defensive at times. We looked negative. Under Jackson, it seems like the, the shackles have been let off by the players. And that's the word that's really come out from the camp in, in interviews recently, is that they've just got freedom to go out and play how they want to play. And and let's let's not forget that Dice has put together a really a great group of characters in the squad. You know, that was really his trademark in building a really good squad. So I think if if you if you had any squad, you know, in the country to rally round after such a dismissal, you know, we'd be we'd be up there because you can tell that the experienced players have really just got together and said, look, it's all on us now. We're gonna we've got to pull together. Otherwise, you know, they'll have our guts for garters in the stands. And it's been it's been brilliant because not only have we been winning games, but we've been playing really good football at the same time. And it's got the fans off the feet, and it's just been really enjoyable the last few weeks. Now, of course. The results help, but it's it's more that ambition. You look at Watford at the weekend, we equalise with seven minutes to go. I think previously we'd have sat on that and played out for a draw, but we went for it. We got the win and uh, it just seems like a train that won't stop at the moment. There's such confidence and enthusiasm around the club. Yeah, I mean, let's not beat around the bush here. The, the fact that you were in such a dangerous position... Um, and then you've almost had like a thriller few weeks, really. Um, you know, to get rid of your manager, I obviously there might have been a fallout. We don't know exactly what happened, but you know, you're not alone because Norwich have sacked a manager this season and it hasn't worked. Watford have done the same, and they still find themselves in such a precarious position with just a few few games to go and some were wondering that will you be there down with them um towards the end but the fact that he's turned it around so quickly and there's such a broad change in not only the way you're playing but how you feel about the club at the moment I mean I think so far it's nothing short of outstanding and I, I think there's a long way to go now until the end of the season. You've managed to drag teams down that looked as though they'd be okay, and you've put yourself in the driving seat now in terms of in terms of staying in this league. And you know that's so rare to see. I think it would be one of the great escapes if you managed to pull it off. Um, 
let's move over then because he obviously is just interim manager at the moment. Obviously, there's going to be calls for since what he's done for him to get the job permanently. I, I took a quick look at the top five candidates for the for the next job, and we've got Vincent Company, who's who's outright favourite at the moment. Then Wayne Rooney and Rafael Benitez coming in second and third. Michael Jackson is there in fourth place. And then there's Chris Wilder, who there were a lot of rumours about early on in Dyche's sacking down in fifth. Is there anyone from that list that would be your outright favourite to get the job? Is there anyone anyone I've missed off of there? And do you think it would change if if you were to go down? Because when I sacked Dyche, I thought they've got to have someone in place. Surely, if you're going to make that statement, there's got to be someone there. And when it turned out that there wasn't and that they'd just put an interim manager in place, that caused a lot of confusion from, from neutral fans, at least, as to why you'd make such a huge decision without without an answer to it, really. If, you're, if you find yourself staying in the Prem, do you think they'll go for someone of a different quality to someone in the Championship? I mean, who would be your favourite? Yeah, I think I think it will really depend on on which league we're in. I think the owners have got a bit lucky, like you say, when they sacked Dice, you thought, well, they've got to have someone in place to come in and and, and pick up the reins, but they clearly didn't. They, they clearly sort of branched out to a few managers, got got feelers out there. They didn't have a plan in place, and they've just stumbled across, you know, this group of players has really pulled together, and Jackson's made little tweaks here and there, and he's been really successful. Now, I I wouldn't be one of them that if we stayed up give him the job I you know I, I don't think he's he's earned that you know his track record's not good good enough for you know he's had a couple of jobs at the lower leagues when he was younger um and it's just one of them do you really want to hand an ex- inexperienced manager the reins full time and put all the good work that he's just achieved at risk for me it's, it's not the answer and I don't think he will be the answer from the noises coming out of the club but we're gonna have to see at the end of the season now if we if we stayed up obviously there's been word of Vincent company um, I'd also throw another name in the mix, not that I'll be able to pronounce it, but that uh, Kjetil Knutsen, um, the Norwegian manager who... Yeah, he was sixth on the on the yeah. list, yeah. Yeah, he comes with he comes with really uh, really good credit and acclaim, and I think he's one, his name's been mentioned in and around. And I think if we did stay up, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the owners go to a foreign manager, which is funny. Burnley have never had a foreign manager in the history. When when we sacked um, when when Owen Coyle left the club in 2010, we were in the Premier League, and there's a great story that Andros Villas Boas, you know the old Spurs manager, came for an interview, and he turned up with a PowerPoint slide, and straight away the owners went, "Well, the players won't understand this," and they and they didn't give him the job, and we turned to uh, Brian Laws, um, who took us down. Um, but I think things will be different this time, and if we did stay up, we'd be progressive, ambitious. Vincent Company, you know, he, I think he'd jump at that job. He, he loved his time living in Manchester, he's going to want to, to go and prove himself in the Premier League before, you know, a big step up. I mean, look at the job that Vieira's done at Palace. He's, he's done a lot of plaudits this year with what he's done. So I can imagine company wanting to do something similar. But if, if we did go down, you'd question whether a manager like that would want to come to us. And I've always been a fan of Chris Wilder. You know, I don't, I don't particularly like him as, as a person. He's never really, never really warm to him. But as a manager, you know, he did, miracles with Sheffield United and bringing them up from League One to the Premier League and yeah they were going down second season but it's a tough job you know to keep a a club in the Premier League um, after such a long time away he's doing well at Borough I wasn't surprised to see him effectively say no to the job in the press because who's going to leave a playoff chasing team 
to go to a team that might go down, you know, with five games left. It, it was never going to work. No, I think those conversations would be different in the summer. But for me, who knows? You know, the last time Burnley had a manager that wasn't called Sean Dyche, I was 11 years old. So it, it feels like another world and it feels really strange. So I think I'm just going to be along for the ride. Wow, what a story about AVB. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought it hit me hard when when Villa got rid of Dean Smith, so I can't even begin to imagine how it must feel for you. Let's let's turn our attention to the league table a bit more and the relegation battle that you find yourselves in. So we've got Burnley, obviously yourselves, on 16th, having played 34 and 34 points. Then there's Leeds, who are currently matching you with 34 games played and 34 points. However, Leeds have almost double the goal difference that you have. So that must be like an extra point to you. That That's vital when it comes down to it. Then you've got Everton on 18th, having played a game less with two points less than you. And then Watford, um, who are 10 points behind Everton on 22, having played the same amount of games as you. Now, Watford play Crystal Palace away, and you mentioned the the job that Vieira's done. So if they were to come out of that without a win and with results going the other way, then they would find themselves down as they're only a point above Norwich. So I think, I mean, correct me if you think differently, but I'm going to discount Nor- uh, Watford from this argument and I'm going to say that they've almost solidified their 19th place spot. Um, so then we're left with three, Burnley, Leeds and Everton. And I mean, wow, if you'd have told me at the start of the season that those three would be the teams fighting for that last relegation spot, then then I wouldn't have believed you. And we look at Burnley, unbelievable that they've still got to play ourselves twice you know you've got four games left of the season and two of them are against Aston Villa so you've got Villa at home Spurs away Villa away and then Newcastle at home now like I mentioned before any Villa fan will think you'll get at least four points out of those two games against us Um, how do you see those four games playing out yeah I take four points right now I'll tell you that um but looking at the table, yeah, I mean, you're right. Watford, Watford are gone. It feels like they have been for a while. And the thing, the thing is, and it's, re, it's, you know, it's simple to say, you know, between us, Everton and Leeds, the issue I have in my mind is I can see, I can see, you know, us carrying on our form, you know, if I'm being an optimist, and, you know, carry on our really good form. Everton seemingly win every home game they have at the moment. And that game against Chelsea will really spur them on. So Everton, I'm looking at them and thinking they've got a couple of winnable home games, I think Palace and Brentford. And then you've got Watford away, which is essentially a gimme game at this point. So I can see them doing well. And then I'm looking at Leeds and thinking, well, you know, they've actually done well since that American uh, Marsh came into the job. Uh, you know, aside from that City game, they've done really well. So I'm looking at them and thinking they've got also got a couple of winnable games. So I'm actually looking further up the table. And now Southampton have got... So, yeah, you, so you've got that gap between us and Southampton, yourselves, Brentford on 40 points. Now, I've, you know, I've... Not going to lie, I think you're safe. You know, you've got a very good goal difference and you'd expect you to pick up at least one win before the end of the season. Now, Southampton have got three games left. They've got, uh, who have they got now? They've got Liverpool at home, Brentford away and Leicester City away. Now They're they're six points above you, right? Yeah, they're six points above us. Now, if they lose at Brentford this weekend, so we'd be six points off. We'd have four, you know, three, three or four games left to play. And they've got Liverpool and Leicester as their last two games. It's not inconceivable to see them losing all three. And their goal difference is already worse than us. So I wouldn't be surprised if they were brought into it. 
so I, I, in my mind, it's a sort of a four a four team race. And this is the thing that all of the bot the, the the three right at the bottom was Leeds and Everton. You could see them taking two wins from the last last few games, and it's just so tight. I'd, I'd love to see us staying up. I think I think we've got to be looking to win against you lot uh, this Saturday. Just keep on our momentum. It's a home game. Going away from home is a, a lot of a far different prospect. And then we've got Newcastle at home the last game of the season, which again is a winnable fixture. So I, I'd be wanting. To be safe, I'd want six points from the next four games, but it might be the case that four points k- keeps us up. I'm just really hoping that Watford uh, have obviously lost eleven home games in a row now. At some point, that's got to change, and they've got they've got the potential up front with Jao Pedro, with Dennis, with Saar to really cause Everton problems. So I've just got all, everything crossed that if they get if they get a win against Everton, Everton would be in real, real, real trouble. Which, yeah, like you say, at the start of the season, can you imagine saying that? It's bonkers, but it's the situation we find ourselves in. And Burnley have got a lot more experience of beating the drop than both Everton and Leeds. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's vital for you, really. Um, six points, like you said, you'd like would see you go to forty, and I think 40, 40 points sees sees a team safe. But then again does it because you you were mentioning Southampton being dragged into it and they are they're on 40 points at the moment so I think it's really tough I mean if I had to put my money on it the fact that Leeds still have Arsenal and Chelsea to play and Brentford as well as Southampton you know Brentford have a have a big say because they've still got Everton to play as well so Brentford could have a big say in in who goes down um yeah, if I had to put my on my money on it, I'd go for Leeds just because I think Everton will just about have enough from the games that they have remaining. But I mean, thinking of the Premier League, I can't remember how long ago it was since we had a relegation battle, a top four race and a title race all with with three to four games to play. And I mean, from a neutral point of view, I'm I'm absolutely loving it. But knowing how it felt a few years ago, it, it must it must make you feel sick, even the fact that fans are allowed in stadiums. Because when Villa were in this position, obviously all we could do was was watch on the telly. Um, let's change it over to to a Villa perspective now. Obviously, I don't know how much of of us you've been able to catch over the course of the season. You've had your you've had your attentions on more more important things over the last few weeks. But if I had to ask you, what would you expect? from Villa this weekend from from obviously a neutral point of view. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting seeing Villa since I mean you've got to take it since you know since uh, Gerard took over. I think he came into the job with you know a lot of acclaim from from Scotland rightly so. He'd done a really good job at Rangers and you started really well, you know, and you got Coutinho in and you thought wow, this is a club really on the up. Now it hasn't gone your way in the last in the last few months and that's why, you know, even amongst our fans, there's a few people saying, you know, we've got two games against you. Like, if, if we won both those games, you know, it'd be twitchy bum time at Villa Park. And now I don't expect you guys to go down. You know, I think for the rest of the season, you've got enough quality in there to pick up a win or two. You know, you, you beat Norwich. Now, it's not, it's not even a Premier League game at this point, let's be honest. But I think there's enough quality in that in that squad to, to turn things around. And, I, 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 you know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, Gerald's been really disappointing so far. But in my mind, it's just one of those things. He didn't have a pre-season with the squad. I think it'll come good in the end. He's, he's you know, he's, he made a good start to his managerial career in Rangers. Okay, it hasn't, it hasn't worked in the last few months at Villa, but I, I think with a pre-season, 
you know, up your backs. I, th- I think you can have a nice, a good season next year and start start to kick on, you know. You've got the money to invest in that squad and to, to take it to where Gerard wants to. Now, that being said, at the time, for the time being, as an optimistic Burnley fan, I'd like to think Villa are there for the taking this Saturday. If not away, then definitely at a home game, whilst we've got the wind in our sails, to, to, to go and uh, really challenge you on Saturday. But yeah, it has been somewhat disappointing, I'd say, since January time to see Villa. They, you know, you've not really kicked on. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with Coutinho in the summer because, you know, say, say he stayed, you know, it'd be a real sign of ambition. Um, but I'm not sure, you know, he started life really good. I'm not sure how he's been playing recently. I've not been able to uh, catch many games with us just tearing our hairs out every week. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's a really difficult one because Coutinho's obviously quiet and down a bit but I think that was always going to be the case with the fact of how he how he first came in and how he set the pitch alight the first few games it was never going to be easy to keep that up I think the thing from Villa fans perspective is one of our most creative players of the season Emi Buendia obviously our record signing has been has been benched by Gerard because of Coutinho he he believes that they can't play together and it just seems as though we've got such a waste of talent sat on the bench that it's it's frustrating. And there are a lot of Villa fans that are going, well, you know, do we need to spend 30, 40 million on Coutinho when we've got a player like Buendia sat on the bench who's who's very similar? So, you know, that's up for debate. But what are your thoughts on a Steven Gerrard Aston Villa compared to a Dean Smith Aston Villa? Is, are you more confident of getting a result due to our style of play now than it was or, or less confident? Ooh, I, th- I think I'd be more confident just because of the run of games you've been on. I think Dean Smith, you know, can. I think what you saw when he first went into Norwich can really try and organise the squad. You know, he, he was really good at that. And I think it would have been maybe a tough a tougher game under Smith. You know, Gerrard's only just got his feet under the door in, in some way. Um, so I think, you know, I was really surprised when Smith went originally. I mean, it's like you said earlier, it's a bit like us with Dash, not to the same extent, but more so, you know, with Smith being a Villa fan, it was like, wow, that's a, it's a real shame to see him lose his job there. But at the same time, it's a show of ambition. You know, Smith's been there, done that, got promoted. He's, he's, that, he's unfortunately maybe got that tag now and he's maybe not going to get a job bigger than, than a Norwich if, unless he, he performs miracles with them over the next few years. Whereas Gerard has won a league title in Scotland. He's Stephen Gerard after all. You know, he comes with that, you know, he comes with that good baggage with him and in that everyone's looking at that Liverpool job and thinking he's working his way up to that at some point. So you've got that ambitious young, young manager there. And I think maybe not for this weekend, but going into next season, there's only positive things to happen, really, if Gerard turns out to be all that he's cracked up to be. Like you say, though, I wouldn't be surprised to see yeah, Coutinho not bought in the summer because Wendy is a cracking player and it does seem a waste it, uh, to have him on the bench. And at the same time, it, you, I tend to agree with Gerard. It'd be tough to put both of them on the same pitch in a Premier League game unless you're going up against the likes of you know Norwich or Watford at the bottom of the table. So, uh, yeah, I'd probably be more confident going up against a Gerard Villa at the moment than a Smith Villa but that's not necessarily an indictment on Gerard. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think we've covered all bases here. Um, looking forward to the game this weekend. If I had to push you for a score prediction, have you got one in mind? Yeah, well, we just recorded our podcast uh, before I came on this and I said 2-0 Burnley, so I'm going to have to stick with it now um, for the basis of superstition. Um, I just think, you know, 
realistically, we've got we've really got to keep our momentum going. I think there was a period at the Watford game, I was thinking when we were one 0 down, and you're thinking this could really be a sucker punch. We hadn't been behind in the game under Jackson as of yet, and we showed real character to, to turn it round. There's such confidence in that Burnley squad at the moment, and in a home game as well, and the crowd's been really behind the team recently. I'd like to think we can go there, go to turf and and pick up another win because the pressure that we know, the pressure that it put on Everton and Leeds would be monumental. I, f- I think Villa, if Villa say hadn't won, you know, if yourselves hadn't won against Norwich, you'd have been, Gerard had been really wanting a reaction because your form's not been good recently. But I think that Norwich victory will play in our favour a bit in that. I'm not saying, you know, the foot's going to be off the pedal, but you've not got that much to play for the rest of the season. I think we're going to really want it. And at home, I'd like to see us win. So I'm going to say a 2-0, but hey, you know, this run's got to end at some point. So maybe it might be this weekend. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, like I said before, you are our bogey team. And if you ask any Villa fan about this weekend, they're probably not going to be confident. So I'm going to have to go for a score draw on this one, I think you can't look past the form that you're in at the moment and how valuable those points would be to you. So I think I'll go for one all. And just before we wrap this episode up every week, I ask a non-football related question to the people that I have on the preview and then they get to ask a question along for the next week. So you've current, we didn't actually manage to get a Norwich fan on last week's episode all of them declined our offers, so we ended up having a having a Villa chat about Norwich. Um, so the question was, and it wasn't from me; it was from fellow Simon. He's he's very old and he's bold. In case you didn't know, um, his story to you is: What is the most embarrassing story of trying to chat someone up? I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got one on this. Um, have you? Get yeah, in straight away, straight away. Um, yeah, it's it not a Blackburn year. fan, is it? No, no, I wouldn't wouldn't go near. Would not go near if they said they were a Blackburn fan. I'm turning in the opposite <laughs> opposite direction. <laughs> but we were in a club uh, night. I think it was a couple of years ago now, and there was this there was this girl there, and she was with uh, a housemate of ours. We were in so we were in first year at the time. So to my housemate, I was like, oh, you know, I'm what what's her name? You know, I'm gonna go up to her, and she was like, oh, and my housemate's Spanish, and she says her name's Lois. Uh, she's called Lois so I started chatting to this girl uh, and I like said oh you know something Lois yeah and then she like just deadpan stared back at me and was like like really offended and I was like oh what's the issue and she was like she was like um my name's my sorry my husband had said her name's Lewis and she went my name's not Lewis it's Lois and I was like no way and like for the rest of the night she was like proper cold shoulder and like we still know her to this day, and she still ribs before it. And it just turns out that my housemate, who was Spanish, just constantly like mispronounces people's names. And she just completely told me the wrong name. She said, "Yeah, her name was Lewis," which I thought odd, but at the same time, I trusted her, so I went with Lewis. And even not even today, when she, when the, the two of them get together, I hear my housemate's you know tongue slip, and she says Lewis. But, you know, it's all right for her, but it's not all right oh, for me. Oh, no. Oh, that's brilliant. <laughs> I, I didn't expect anyone to have an answer to that, but you have absolutely smashed that out of the park. Um, <laughs> yeah, so who have Villa got next week? I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but if you, if you had a non-football-related question to whoever our opponents will be next week, Ooh, it's wow. Liverpool, actually. It'll be a Liverpool fan. 
Liverpool fan. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, right. So they're off to Paris, or at least the armchair fans. Uh, <laughs> um, so they're off to Paris, right. If they if they had to... Ooh, that's a thing. If they had to get to Paris any other way than by plane, how would they do it and who with? Brilliant question. Thanks for that. <laughs> that's yeah, that, that's that's what I'm sticking with. <laughs> and that's about all the time we have left for this one. A massive thanks to George for being a great sport. <laughs> I bet you didn't envisage yourself telling that story live on air today. And if you want more where that came from, check out the No Nay Never podcast. And if you're new to the Hulkcast itself, make sure to follow us on Twitter at 7500 to Hulk. Make sure to like, follow, subscribe on all your all your common podcast listening channels. Um, thank you for listening and see you soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 